It's us. We are Detroit Strange, the podcast coming to your ear holes. This one yeah. and that one. I don't know why that song popped in my head. I don't know. Oh, okay. Hello. Oh, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what we were doing, but I was I, I committed to I it. I thought of it while we were setting up and I was like, I'm gonna go for it. I love that. Going I love for that. The Adele pull. I mean I will always yes and so Yes. <laughs> It was lovely. Thank you. Yes. I sounded just like Adele, didn't I? Yes. Recording contract. Here you come. Yes. Album deal. I'm going to name him after my ages, too. Oh, I love that. Just hope I don't copy her. I'll just make sure it's different years. I'll do <laughs> I'll do even years. I feel like she's only done odds. Okay. Fair, fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, that's fantastic. So everybody can look forward to that in yeah. 2022, the end of 2022. It takes a second. you know. Yeah, yeah. It'll take a minute. Yeah. So maybe beginning of 2023. No official release date yet. But no official release date. Coming. We will, more news will come. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as my agent gets back to me. Yes. I'm sure it'll be any day now. Any day. Yeah. Once, once this episode drops, it'll be any day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes. Well, I came to your house yesterday because my power was out. Yeah, we had a work party. We did. How exciting. Yes. And you ordered us Chinese food for lunch. That was very nice of you. Yes. Been eating Chinese food ever since. (laughs) I love Chinese food, so never mad at the suggestion. I mean, who could be? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, my power went out Tuesday night, and I had a nice candlelit dinner eating pizza because i'd ordered pizza that day that sounds kind of nice it was nice but like unfortunately there was like four different scented candles oh that's a lot yeah it it's it started to smell like a bath and body works down here (laughs) it was a lot but we need the light yeah have you heard of unscented candles before i have but i usually don't have a purpose for them i mean i also couldn't find my lantern i had a lantern too and it was fully charged I just have no idea where it's at. Yeah, probably in camping gear, I would assume, right? Or, or do you mean like a flashlight lantern? Like No, I mean like a lantern oh, lantern. Oh, okay, okay. You'd think it'd be with the camping stuff, but I also don't know where my camping stuff is. Like, it's somewhere that just doesn't exist in my house anymore. Okay, fair. fair. My house's object permanence is never that strong. Maybe you have ghosts. It's very possible. <laughs> Also, side note, I really love that in Great Britain, a flashlight is called a torch. Yeah. Can we just mention that for a second? Oh, yeah. Because I think that is one of my favorite. I've heard it used here, too, before, too. Like, oh, it's a torch. I would like to start calling it a torch. Is it like a specific kind of flashlight? I think it just means flashlight. Okay. Yeah. I've got to go get my torch. Yeah. You expected him to pull out like a... Stick with fire on the end. Mm-hmm. We're in a cave, and right. <laughs> that's our only means of getting by. We have Indiana Jones ourselves into a cave. Mm-hmm. We have made our torch mm-hmm. with some fabric and a stick. Yep. We're trying to find some goblet or something else. Some kind of treasure. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're dodging that boulder. Or Nicholas Cage. Yes. <laughs> I don't know enough about American history for like to find that treasure. Oh, no, absolutely not. That's why the torch guides you. Yes. 
They need to find the America Torch. Yes. Uh, I watched this video today about the world's deepest pool. It's in Dubai. How deep is it? 18 stories. No. 18 stories no. underground. Yeah. It's called Deep Dive Dubai. Why? I don't know. They're trying to make snorkeling a thing, I guess. Or scuba diving. But like... Okay. It is kind of cool because like the middle section of it is like this weird like post-apocalyptic abandoned city. Yeah. That's like they made it look like intense. a... Like, yeah. There's like a, I saw a Pac-Man machine down there. But yeah. 18 stories underground. So it's basically for scuba training. It's just for scuba enjoyment. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, all scuba enthusiasts, take note. Yeah, go to Dubai. (laughs) Whatever. I don't know. Maybe hear Paris Hilton DJing there. Sure. Yeah. Why not? This is relevant to nothing, but I just saw it today and I was like just dumbfounded by the fact they made something that deep. No, I mean, I love strange facts. I'm here for the strange facts and the strange facts only. Dubai has a lot of records. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely heard. I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but it's just like a lot of tallest, twistiest, longest, mm-hmm. deepest. Yeah, deepest now. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, that terrifies me. I'm very scared of deep water. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan either. I don't mind watching like scuba diving like videos and stuff like that, but like when people start like diving and going into caves, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, it's also like one of my worst nightmares. Yeah. I am terrified. I went to a natural spring when I was in Florida visiting my parents a while back. Yeah. And there was an underwater cave and there were scuba divers like going into it. But it was also just like a general kind of like swimming area or whatever too. And then I looked up videos and this thing goes like, I forget the depth, but it was so deep. Like it was really, really deep, but you couldn't tell from the surface, obviously. And I just was my jaw was hanging open. I was like, Oh, I was swimming above that. That's crazy. And then I was like, Oh, and I got, I, that's my, it terrifies me. Oh, for sure. Like this pool was so deep. Like they were talking about how they had to install lights at the bottom. Cause like it was so deep that like the light from the surface, like stops at a certain point. It just like, yeah. it can't make it any deeper into the water. So they had to like, fit, they put like, a bunch of lights. I think there's like 56 cameras hidden around this pool just oh to keep track gosh. of everyone. They live streaming around the building. Wow. That's yeah. intense. Yeah. That's your fun fact for the day. Thank I love you to it. the B1M on YouTube. Always feel free to bring the fun facts. Yeah. I love them. Yes. I did actually make us a real cocktail it's today. Really pretty. And it's a very summery one, kind of in honor of like the end yes. of summer. Those you know? dog days. Those dog days. Before they're over, we're going to drink yes. to them. <laughs> As the song goes. Yes. <laughs> but we are drinking a gin with fig, rosemary, simple syrup, which I made, which I haven't done that yes. in a while. So that was exciting. And some lemon juice. It's delicious. I'm into it. I think I watched a TikTok, to be honest, and I was like, Fair. oh, that looks good. And then I bought all the things, did not make it for several days, and kind of looked at the items in the fridge and was like, they look fine today. But yeah. I was like, if I don't do this soon, yeah, they're not going to look fine. So right. I better make that right now. I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with today's the- episode, but... No, but it's delicious and seasonally appropriate. Yeah. I love a good fig. Yeah. So cheers. Cheers. Mm. 
fake clink or across the table. We could maybe yeah. reach, but we don't want to try it's it. It's very far. We have to clink over our equipment, and that's not a that's not something I want to try yeah. and do. We're in a much bigger table than we used to be. Oh, for sure. Very spacious and roomy. Yeah, this table seats up to six. Ooh, and that's not even with the leaf. Ooh, leaf is a weird term for that metal piece in the table. You know? Yeah, I I kind of wonder what the etymology of it is, but yeah. No, nope, got nothing. I was Me trying either. to make a connection, but I have nothing. Like it's wood, I guess, but like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you leaf, or you don't leaf it in. You don't have to leaf this part in. That's you what it is. You don't have to leaf it in. <laughs> I, yes, that is, that's accurate. Nail head hit. Yes. <laughs> uh. Well, should we just get to it? Yeah, let's dive in. Let, oh, let's dive in indeed. Yes. So I've got a story for you today. Okay. Oh, I should probably scroll up to the top of the page, though, and so Might starting help. in the middle. Yeah, that would be good. So have you ever heard of Martha Crawford of Dixborough? I have not. Or Martha Mulholland? No. Okay, I had not either. I've heard of Dixborough. Yes. So Dixborough just so we know, because we will be talking about it a little bit, is basically next to Ann Arbor. Yep. I've driven through it many a time. Mm-hmm. So it's about 40 minutes of, you know, 40 minutes away from Detroit, roughly. Yeah. Uh, so we are taking a little, a, a baby road trip. Yeah. Like, they're in back in the trip. same day, for sure. Or like a half day, even. Yeah. Depending on what you're doing. But yes. So we are going to start our story with two brothers. Okay. Named John and James Mulholland. Okay. They'd grown up in a large family of weavers. Okay. In Ireland. And James, the younger of the two, arrived in Canada in the year 1826. Okay. And by 1829, he had moved into the U.S., specifically to the Michigan Territory. So John, uh, his brother, moved to the Territory by 1830. And although it's not really known when he got married by the 1831 records, they indicate that he was married to a woman named Anne. Okay. The couple had at least two kids. And the same year, so 1831, both John and James set their sights on buying up homestead property in the Michigan Territory, which they would accomplish by 1832. Okay. In the newly formed town of Dixboro. Ooh, she's new. She's different. She's Dixboro. Dixboro. And in the early 1830s, the town itself consisted of seven lumber mills, a shingle factory, an ashery for manufacturing of potash, which is, I looked it up because I was like, I don't know what that is, a potassium-based plant nutrient used in fertilizer. Potash. Potash. Sounds like a potato dish. I know. I thought it was going to be a food. Yeah. It definitely has that vibe of food. It's plant food. Yeah, it's plant food. It's plant food. And a few grist mills, which I also looked that up. And it's basically a big thing grinder used to grind grains into flour. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Or other things too, but mostly flour. Yeah. So by 1835, a few years later, the brothers continued to buy up more homestead property in Michigan, going by beyond that of Washtenaw County. And basically they got kind of into the buying and selling properties for profit. But yeah. their main homestead was in Dixboro. Yeah. Meanwhile... Anne, so the wife of, uh, John and James are too close for me. The wife of John had a sister named Martha Crawford. Okay. She was an Irish immigrant who was, quote unquote, an attractive widow. 
with a thick accent living in Canada, along with her son, Joseph. Okay. They came to visit Anne in 1835. During said visit, Martha developed a big old crush on Anne's brother-in-law, John. Ooh. Yes. And it was reciprocated. Love that. Mm -hmm. Love birds. Yeah. And Martha and John soon made plans to get hitched. But John had a secret. (gasps) Anne knew his secret. (gasps) But we don't. No. Mm -hmm. Will we find out? Stay tuned. Okay, okay. And Anne revealed the secret to Martha. So Martha's admiration for John soon turned to pure loathing. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. What was he doing? Like, punting babies? Like, damn. Soon after, Martha broke off the engagement and made quick plans to return to Canada with her son, Joseph. But Anne's husband, James, came up to her and warned her, quote, If you don't marry John, you'll never make it back home alive. Dun, dun, dun. Damn. Yeah, kind of weird. Um, Ominous. Not great. No. Uh, there's a possibility they found out that she found out whatever said secret was. Just like, you know, a marriage is off to a good start when it starts with a death threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forced. Yeah. So both out of fear, obviously, and to protect herself and her son, Joseph, Martha conceded and married John in December of 1835. The two would go on to have an additional son in 1836. Okay. And in your words, they all lived happily ever after. Yay. But they didn't. No. No. So what did actually happen, though, is soon after the marriage, Martha's sister, Anne, grew terribly ill, both physically and mentally. No. And she passed away. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. And unfortunately, not too long after that, in 1838, there was another tragedy when the three-year-old son of Anne and James, named James Jr., JJ, died after getting too close to the fireplace and his clothes ignited. Damn. Yeah, that's just terrible. Yeah. So the same year, James remarried a woman named Emily Loomis. Okay. She's just around. You don't need to super remember her, but she's around. Yeah. Emily would go on to give birth to several more children. Okay. So four years later in 1840, Martha's husband, John, passed away. Sounds like good because I'm curious as to what the secret was. Yes. Unfortunately, though, this was followed just shortly after by their young son also passing away. Oh. Mm -hmm. So now, again, just to reiterate, it's Martha and Joseph on that homestead. And then nearby there is James and She's a double widow now. Double widow. Yeah. Still just has the one kid. Yeah. So Martha became the administrator of John's estate, which basically meant she had to take care of it. Yeah. And, like, qualify how much it was worth. And... James did not make this very easy for Martha because he thought he was owed money by his brother. Oh, no. So under probate court, the estate was supposed to be appraised. And when this didn't happen, James went back to probate court in 1841, claiming that it needed to be done to cover the debt owed to him as he was his brother's main creditor. The court then ordered a $1,000 bond to bring in appraisers. But in 1842, Martha started to become ill. And she requested that the court appoint a new administrator to review the estate. Fair. She had started showing 
uh, similar symptoms that Anne had shown before she died. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Her physical and mental health continued to deteriorate so much that she was actually unable to sign her name and had reverted to just making a quote unquote mark whenever it was needed. Yikes. She grew more melancholy and fatigued, and she would often wake shuddering from nightmares and would start to cry. Damn. Mm-hmm. So how did James help his sister-in-law? I'm guessing not. Obviously he didn't, yeah. Yeah. Instead, he declared her incompetent to the court so that he could seize the property. Cool. Or try to seize the property. It never really yeah. happened. But in 1845, as her conditions continued to kind of worsen, Martha went to see a doctor at the University of Michigan who labeled her behavior as, quote unquote, approached insanity and noted that she complained of constant stomach and chest pains. She then begged Dr. Sam Denton. It might be the same doctor. I'm not sure. I wonder if he's the namesake of Denton Road. Possibly. I mean, there's a lot of names. Yeah. uh, I've come across today. Because Denton Road's in that area. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my neck of the woods, you hear. (laughs) She then begged the Dr. Sam Dutton to bleed her out. Damn. She was just basically done with whatever was happening. And she said if he agreed to do this, she would reveal John's secret to him. Oh, interesting, mm-hmm. but also sad. Yeah. So she told the doctor the secret, but then he lied to her and basically said he couldn't perform the procedure due to faulty lancets but that he would keep the secret for her. Okay. He basically had never had the intention of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So Martha was pretty hysterical and started to scream. Should I try it in an Irish accent? Go for it. Let's see how this goes. They're going to kill me. I'm here for it. And in June of that year, she passed away in the house. Okay. Her official cause of death was noted as, quote unquote, ill health. Very specific. Science was doing great. So a few months later in September, a carpenter from New York named Isaac Van Wert, W-O-E-R-T, along with his wife and their two sons were traveling through when Isaac found some work in the area. They needed a place to stay. So some of the local townspeople helped him and arranged for the then 15-year-old son, Joseph, took them in as boarders. The 15-year-old? The 15-year-old. Because... Basically, there was, I, I don't believe there was a will, and since she was the widow, she got the property. Yeah. Uh, and James was not successful in trying to... Seize it all. Yeah. Within days, though, of the Van Wertz moving in, Isaac began to witness things. Ooh. The story goes as such. So the first sighting is on September 27th, and Isaac actually told That's the Anna... birthday. Sorry. Oh. Isaac actually told the Ann Arbor Press at the time, and if you would go ahead and actually, would you be willing to fill in for Isaac in this? Because there might be some dialogue coming up between yes. Isaac and a spirit. Should I read those? So I start, put my hand? Yeah, you're going to read that part, and then you'll stop. I put my hand on the windowsill and looked in. I saw a woman with a candlestick in her hand, in which was a candle burning. She held it in her left hand. She wore a loose gown, had a white cloth around her head, her right hand clasped in her clothes near the waist. She was bent forward, her eyes large and much sunken, very pale indeed. 
She moved slowly across the floor until she ended nope until she entered the bedroom and the door closed. I then went up and opened the bathroom door and all was dark. I stepped forward and lit a candle, but saw no one. No one heard any noise. Except just before I opened the bedroom door, I thought I heard one of the bureau drawers open and shut. That was my man voice. It was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, he also went on to explain that he was pretty terrified to discover the apparition and that it had protruding teeth. Yikes. Yeah. Soon Isaac started to talk with neighbors and discovered the story of Martha's odd death in the mm-hmm. house earlier that year, like mere months before they had arrived. Yeah. So later in a sworn statement that Isaac made on December 8th of that year, 1845, he would go on to recount more sightings. So the second sighting, if you'll go to part two, yes, had been October, like I think early October, around 1 a.m., stating, As I opened the bedroom door, it was light in the outer room. I saw no candle, but I saw the same woman that I had seen before. I was about five feet from her, she said. Don't touch me. Touch me not. I stepped back a little and asked, What do you want? He's got it. He robbed me little by little until they killed me. They killed me. Now he's got it all. Who had it all? James. Yes, James has got it at last. But it won't do him long. Joseph. Oh, Joseph. I wish Joseph would come away. Then all was dark. So the third time he saw the apparition, he wasn't sure of the hour. But it was nighttime, yet the bedroom was filled with light. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Again, he saw no candle, but he saw the vision of the same woman. Yes. And she said to him, James can't hurt me anymore. No, he can't. I am out of reach. Why don't they get Joseph away? Oh, my boy. Why not come away with me? Then it went dark again. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So... By now, I personally would be like packing or sleeping outside in a tent or anything, but but Isaac would continue to see her in total about nine times. So a few days later, another sighting happened around 11 11 p.m. And it went kind of like this. I was sitting with my feet on the stove hearth. My family had retired and I was eating a lunch when all at once the front door stood open and I saw the same woman in the door supported in the arms of a man whom I knew. She was stretched back and looked as if she was in the agonies of death. She said nothing, but the man said, She is dying, she will die. And all disappeared and the door closed without noise. So, um, gross. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like, I'm confused at the lunch because it seems like this is happening at night, but he's eating lunch. But I'd like yeah. love that for him. Maybe he just like had a sandwich. Yeah. Well, and I'm almost wondering if lunch just means like not as Light big meal. or something. Yeah. 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 I thought the same thing, but yeah. He's eating that lunch. I love though. nighttime lunch. Same. So the fifth time was a little after sunrise, which is interesting because now we're not just in the, you know, nighttime hours. We're getting... Daytime hours. Isaac went out to work on the property, and he spotted her in the front yard. She spoke once again. I wanted Joseph to keep my papers, but they are... 
And then it kind of became jumbled. He couldn't yeah. understand her. She could no longer get the rest of it out, but she started to yell, Joseph, Joseph, I fear something will befall my boy. And disappeared. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So the sixth sighting was around midnight, so we're back to nighttime. Mm-hmm. And it was in the bedroom, which was light once again, yet no candle. He looked around to see his wife fast asleep, to which the woman spoke. She will not to wake. And the woman appeared to be in great pain and leaned over and grasped her stomach in one hand, holding a vial of liquid in the other one. What's in that? The doctor said it was balm of Gilead. And then everything disappeared. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a couple more sightings. And number seven, Isaac was working at a bench doing some woodworking, I'm assuming. I love to work with wood. Who doesn't? Honey. (laughs) And it went something kind of like this. I wanted to tell James something, but I could not. I could not. What is it? Oh, he did an awful thing to me. Who? Oh, he gave me a great deal of trouble in my mind. Oh, he killed me. They killed me. And when Isaac tried to walk to her, she kept her distance. So he asked. Did they take anything from you when they killed you? Oh, I don't. Oh, I, I don't. Then her mouth became frothy and she continued. Oh, they killed me. Who? I will show you. And then she exited the back door near the fence and Isaac followed. There he saw two men that he knew. Then the two men began to melt until they were a puddle. Upon oh melt I know. Upon melting they ignited into a blue flame which began to bubble. He turned to the woman but she was gone. Dang. Mm-hmm. So the eighth time it was in the backyard around 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell James to repent. Oh, if he would repent, but he won't. He can't. John was a bad man. Do you know where Frayne's Lake is? Then she asked him a question about the corner of Main and Mill Street, which is now Plymouth and Cherry Hill. I know her. Mm-hmm. But originally he kind of kept that out of the newspaper, eventually yeah. telling the rest of that story. And it went something like this at that point. Should I tell everyone who killed you? There will be a time. The time is coming. But, oh, their end. Their end. Their wicked end. And the last time he would see her would be November 6th, around midnight, in the bedroom once again. She appeared more pale and dressed in white this time. Okay. She said, I don't want anybody here. And then mumbled on. He couldn't really understand her for a second. She said, I want to tell a secret. And I thought I had. Ooh. And then she was gone. That was November 6th. November 7th, they moved out. For sure. I'm surprised it took them that long, honestly. So obviously that's a lot to read in the paper in 1845, especially. And some people wrote it off to Van Wart's imagination. But others argued for his character, stating that they believed him. Local residents, upon reading about the incidents, demanded that Martha's body be exhumed and examined. We love an exhumation. We do. So an autopsy was performed and a cause of death was updated by a coroner's inquest in January of 1846. 
A verdict was handed down that stated that Martha had died of poisoning, quote, administered by some person unknown. So Frains Lake, as the apparition had mentioned, and the well at Main and Mill Street also uh-huh. mentioned, were searched for bodies, but nothing was found. So legend goes that James disappeared from the area pretty much around that time. Yeah. Before any action could be taken. But that's actually not the case according to census records. Ooh. We love a census record. I didn't look them up, by the way. I did get them from a, like somebody who looked yeah. them up on a blog, but yeah. Yeah. So you see in 1847, his wife, Emily Loomis Maholland, remember he had remarried. Yeah. Uh, was She died. And it was reported oh, in a local church publication. Kind a lot of, of death. That's yeah. sus. Yeah. Sus, as the kids are saying. Yep. And it stated that she left behind her husband and four small children. So they had also had a few more yeah. children at this point. The youngest being only four weeks old. Oh, I know. There's also some information that indicates he probably did leave the area, though, after that, most likely to find a wife to help him with four children. Yeah. I'm sure he probably didn't know what to do or possibly to escape some debts he had accumulated. Yeah. You see a little bit of both, probably. Mm-hmm. Records also indicate that his lands were seized by the courts for unpaid debts. By 1849, so a few years later, some of his property was sold at auction to his brother-in-law, William Loomis, and another man named David Botsford. Yeah. And the remainder of his Dixborough property was seized by the sheriff of Washtenaw County in 1850. So also, it's also kind of thought that he and a mysterious medicine peddler, so somebody, yeah. somebody had possibly given poisonous bombs to Martha. Some thought that basically the locals kind of shunned him and that kind of yeah. chased him out of town and that like they used this murder. They didn't really like him. So they used this possible murder yeah. as a reason to do so. Just to shoo him out of town. Yeah, exactly. As for John's dark secret. Yes. What is it? I'm so curious. We don't actually know. Ugh. But there is one possibility. So far before Martha ever came into the picture. Yeah. One evening, a tin peddler stopped by. Peddling his tin. Peddling his tin. And there was a local like tavern that he could stay at pretty much next to the, or like on the property in in some capacity. And he wanted to stay for the evening, but by morning there was no trace of him. However, his like horse and buggy were there untouched. So some have speculated that he was possibly murdered and dumped into a well on the property. Okay. Because conveniently, either John or James, or possibly both of them, filled that well not long after. Sus. Mm-hmm. So what became of a few of our other characters? Yes, please tell me. The story itself actually spread as far as Iowa was being published there. Okay. So it kind of made some waves. Yeah. And again, some believers, some non-believers. As for... Joseph Crawford, so Martha's son who inherited the property, mm-hmm. he uh, is the only one from the story still to be known in the area by 1850. Okay. And when Joseph turned 21, he became the like full owner of the property mm-hmm. because there was no will. Right. And after the Van Warts moved out, there was never another documented sighting of Martha in the house. Okay. Mm-hmm. So actually, uh, a little bit later... It would burn the their homestead would like burn down. Yeah. 
But the Dixborough General Store kind of went up in the area. Yeah. And years later in 1924. I think it's still there, honestly. Yes. No, it is. Yeah. 100%. Uh, we'll get to that. In 1924, the clerk of the store reported that on ch- a chilly fall night, you can hear the sound of a peddler's bell in the air. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So the general store, as mentioned, it is believed by some that Martha herself hangs out at the general store. She's mo- known to move things around, label jars of jam, and just let people know she's there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. As of April 2019, owner Steve Danny says that since the store opened, uh, 17, I think, again, it must have had like a reopen. I don't yeah. know exactly. But 17 years ago, basically, since he's been there 17 years ago, both customers and staff had witnessed things. Customers will walk up and just ask, do you have a ghost here? And they'll be like, yeah, we do. And they'll be like, well, I just saw her. Spooky. Mm-hmm. And Steven, Steve himself has never really felt anything, but he's heard enough stories and seen enough unexplainable things that he's like... I believe. Seems convinced. Yeah. Seems legit. Mm-hmm. Martha herself is buried in Oak Grove Cemetery in the area, and there's actually a plaque that reads, quote, Some of the earliest settlers buried here are members of the Mulholland, Freeman, and Parker families. Martha Mulholland is reputed to be the Dixboro ghost, haunting local residents until her death was found to be a murder. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. And that is the legend and history. Yeah. Take what you want, leave what you don't. Of uh, Martha Crawford Mahalan, the Dixborough ghost. Yes. Yes. What an interesting story. Yes. Like she kind of, like I'm so curious as to what that secret was. I know, I know. I mean, if they murdered a man and put him in a well, that would be a secret. So right. I can definitely see that. Uh, and obviously the one brother, not her husband, but the other one had a really bad temper and probably oh, yeah. was involved in like whatever if he was yeah. threatening to kill her. If she, she like left with this secret, essentially. Right. Yeah, that does. And track. then Anne became ill after telling that secret. So that's also a little bizarro. Yeah. His wife was taken ill taken ill Mm -hmm. and i mean some kind of poison probably well and when martha's body who had the same like symptoms was exhumed later she was found to be poisoned do you know what kind of poison no okay yeah they didn't 1800s and she'd been buried for a second so (laughs) yeah interesting no so on a cold chilly fall night yes dixborough early november head up to uh cherry hill and plymouth yeah. Road and either and listen for that bell. The bell of the, the tin peddler. Cellar? Yeah, yeah. The peddler's bell. The tin peddler. Go to Dixborough General Store, buy something. I don't yeah. whatever you want. And then hang out for a while and like listen for that bell. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What a great story. Just in time for spooky season. Yeah. I love spooky season. Same. I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes. That warms my heart. Good. Sorry for my Irish accent, but you know. No, your Irish accent was great. I love the script part. Um, Great to stretch, but thank you. (laughs) Very kind of you. Your Irish accent and my man voice, we're killing it. It's so great. Killing it so much that you have earned a two (laughs) truths and a lie. Yay. I was hoping so. And Sam, I'll say like, I don't know, the poison thing like stuck out to me because I was like, 
Poison's going to come up with my Tristan Alive. Oh, weird. I think. Okay. So, your two truths and a lie mm-hmm. comes from our favorite source for two truths and a lie. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? Um, blues Clues. Close. It is Mental Flaws. Yay. And it's about Agatha Christie. Oh, interesting. Who, like, mystery queen. Yeah. So, here are your three facts. Number one, she wrote her first novel on a dare. Okay. Fact number two, her father was against her learning how to read. Okay. Fact number three, she wrote six romance novels under the pen name Mary Westmacott. I'm going to go with number two being the lie. That is correct. It was actually her mother who was against her learning how to read. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Christy managed to teach herself, though, and she was then homeschooled by her mother until her teen years when she went off to the only formal education she would receive, which was a finishing school in Paris. Ooh, fancy. So one was true. She wrote her first book, The Mysterious Affair at Styles, when her sister Madge dared her to try writing a novel-length story. I kind of think I knew that one. Interesting. I watched part of, there was like a biopic about her. Oh, I love that. But I don't remember what it's called. And I don't remember if I watched the whole thing or not, but, or if I, I'm very confused. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that seemed, I felt like I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the six new romance novels is true as well. Between 1930 and 1957, she wrote six romance novels. And the pen name was a combination of her middle name and the surname of her relatives. Interesting. I think that might have been the biopic, too. Unless I'm making this up. This could be a dream, a dream I movie I watched. I hope there's a biopic because she seems like a fascinating character. Yeah. Because like, I've I was, seen the drunk history where she disappears for a couple days. Am I saying biopic and I mean drunk history? Possibly. That would make a lot of sense for my confusion. <laughs> We'll have to watch the drug history after this. If there's confirm. not a biopic of her, though, there should be, because she does oh, seem fascinating. I remember being surprised by whatever I watched and being like, ooh, she's interesting. She really is. I have yeah. a couple more facts to illustrate yeah, please, that point. Yeah, please, please, please. So she didn't like violence, which is why most of her novels use poison as the weapon. There's the, oh, okay. the poison the comes The poison in. reference. Mm-hmm. And she had a wealth of knowledge about pharmaceuticals after working at the dispensary during the war. Oh, that, I mean, that's smart. I mean, I don't know if, well, I guess she didn't know that that's what she wanted to do, but like, yeah, that worked out. Yeah, no, yeah. it served her well. Yeah. Which relates to another fun fact mm-hmm. that she took an oath of detective writing from the London Detective Club, which was like, I guess, a club of like other writers writing detective stories. And the oath Ooh. was that she would never leave out vital clues for her readers or use fake poisons as a crutch in her writing. So all the poisons she used in her writing are real and not like, mm-hmm. oh, it's this like fake poison that does yeah. these magical things. Yeah. Which I love. Like here's Skittles bomb. Exactly. Something, yeah. She loved surfing apparently. It was apparently one of the first British people to learn mm-hmm. how to surf standing up. Like, cause I guess like, her and her first husband like went down to South Africa, somehow ended up in Honolulu. Oh, wow. And she just like learned how to surf, which I love. That's interesting, yeah. Right? Uh, also, she based one of her victims in her novel off a real-life person who was trifling, Ooh. as I said. 
trifling. Yes. Her husband, her second husband, was working as an assistant to Sir Leonard Woolley, who is a renowned archaeologist, which also, like Agatha Christie, loved archaeology. That tracks. Yeah. So he went on assignment with him and his wife to Mesopotamia. So like the four of them went to Mesopotamia to go work on some archaeology stuff. That's cool. But his wife didn't like Agatha Christie. Oh. So she wasn't allowed to stay at their camp. It had to stay like in nearby Baghdad. So like basically like her husband had to take a train to see her every day in Baghdad because she wasn't allowed at their campsite for some reason. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right? So meanwhile, she wrote a story called Murder in Mesopotamia where an archaeologist's wife is bludgeoned to death with an antique mace. And then she dedicated (laughs) the book to the Woolies. Oh, her husband never went on an expedition with wow. them again. Oh, sassy. Yes, I love that level of petty. I strive <laughs> for that level of petty. Oh, Agatha Christie. What a queen. Yeah, I just cheers to Agatha Christie. Yes. I also Why read not? that she like uh, based Hercule Poirot. Is that how you say it? Wait, what? Hercule Poirot. Her like, that's like her character. She has her and Miss Marple, I think. Okay. But like she based Hercule Poirot off of um, some Dutch guy she saw boarding a train once. <laughs> yeah. She's like, he looks peculiar. He could be a detective. I mean, that's a good technique, though. For sure. Gives Character you, like, an building. Idea. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for that. That's super unexpected and super fun. Yeah, I saw it. I was Everybody like, Everybody go is watch fun. the biopic, Drunk History. Yes. <laughs> I think so in Fun Plays or two. I can't remember now though. But um, somebody fun does. I it's I'm almost positive. I think it's I'm... Kirsten Dunst, if I'm not mistaken. That's who I'm thinking. That's who I'm picturing in my head right now. I love Kirsten Dunst. I do too. She's a queen. I know. Have you ever seen Mona Lisa Smile? Yeah, I of love course. that movie. Love that movie. Have you ever seen The Cat's Meow? I have not. Probably not. It's very obscure. Ooh. It's about um, kind of. I don't even remember. It's been so long, I can't tell you if it's good or not. I just know she's in it, and I used to own it at one point. But it's about um, the newspaper tycoon Hearst. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I and like, some other people, but. Yeah. I still need to watch Citizen Kane, because I know it's also about Hearst. Yeah. But I have not yet. It's an experience. That's what I assume. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's been so long since I've seen Citizen Kane, too. I can't really tell you anything that you don't already know because it's the right. I know Rosebud's a big thing. Yeah, the mainstream um, knowledge of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I know Rosebud. I know his house is called Xanadu. I forgot about that, but yes. 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 I don't know. What, I like. I think I like googled Xanadu once because, like, I was like, "Where does this word come from?" Mm-hmm. And it's not the musical. I was it's gonna like some say mythological. <laughs> the musical come up Xanadu. instead. Xanadu. Yeah. Which uh, I love that. Host, have you seen it host esther namaras of uh of yes. that's my shit loves the xanadu musical movie oh my god i they have, have to an talk episode about all about that. it oh yeah. my it's so good mm-hmm. it's, i've never seen it to be honest oh my god we have to watch it sometime i would i would watch it yeah it's so fun it's, I, you down. would love it i'm down yes mm-hmm. well i think that wraps us because we gotta go watch xanadu now mm-hmm. we do Yes. Um, we are wrapped up like a vial of poison. Ooh. Poison. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm.
Uh, if you want to follow us on our social medias, you can follow us on Detroit Strange or at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address, Detroit Strange at Face. Nope, Detroit Strange at gmail.com. And we would love you love. to. <laughs> if uh, you have some time and want to support the show, you can head over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review. That would be so fantastic Please. and help us balance it out. And. We also have Patreon and our Threadless shop. We got a Threadless shop if you want to get some merch, DetroitStrange.Threadless.com. Get some, you know, get a sweatshirt. It's fall. It's chilly. Get a sweatshirt. Get a tote bag. Get a coffee mug. Mm-hmm. All, All the these things. things. Yeah. So much. So many things. Yes. And I think. Until next time. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast. Powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.